Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday, June 27th, 549 a.m. Central Time as I speak here. December corn futures down 14 and a quarter at 659 and three quarters. November soybeans up seven at 1431 and a quarter. September Chicago wheat up 11 and a half at 948. September Kansas City wheat up eight and a quarter at 1006 and a half. September spring wheat up five cents at 1075 and a half. If you guys are listening on the podcast, appreciate it. If you are watching on YouTube, uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you like these videos. Leave me a comment. Uh, let me know if you caught any of those weekend rains. If you'd like some additional information from me, go to my website, www.standardgrain.com. Check out my premium subscription service today. I send my premium subscribers a ton of information direct from me every single business day. Morning emails been going out about 5.30 a.m. Central Time. Tons of information in there. Overnight headlines, charts, graphics, weather info. My daily subscriber-only videos are part of this deal. I did one on Friday regarding uh, a bunch of charts, uh, some correlation-type stuff, uh, some recessionary-type uh, talk. And then yesterday I did one uh, regarding weather. And during weather markets this time of year, I send out weather videos on Sundays. I do the same thing sometimes during the South American growing season. But uh, I talk about weather. I talk about what I think it means for the markets uh, come uh, the Sunday night open. If you guys are interested in this stuff, sign up today. It's 50 bucks a month. You can cancel it at any time. There's no other fee. There's no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else, I promise. So we had some unexpected rains uh, fall across the Corn Belt and elsewhere over over the weekend. You look at this big band uh, that went across northern Iowa, uh, covered a good chunk of, of, say, eastern to east central Iowa, and then into Illinois. And areas within this band, if you're watching, this is this like red and purple stuff. This is two inches, three inches, four inches. There were uh, local amounts, five inches or more within that band. And then some of these peripheral areas caught an inch to two inches of rain. And this stuff was not in any forecast that I saw going home on Friday. So I think the need jerk reaction in the corn market in particular last night was to sell off on this stuff. And then you look at some of these other areas, these rains that hit parts of Kansas, I don't think this stuff was in the forecast. This stuff in the Dakotas, in the northern, say, two-thirds of Minnesota, I don't think much of that was in the forecast either. So this is a situation that's kind of rare where the weather forecasts and, and the models, at least what I saw, uh, did not predict any of this stuff, really, not in, in this sort of uh, uh, amount or, or to this extent. There were some rains in the forecast, but not this sort of big system. So the model in the forecasts miss this stuff. I'm sure there's some private forecaster that uh, maybe expected this or, or expected this to some extent, but these rains were, were much heavier than expected. You look at the radar this morning, it's pretty quiet. There's not much going on. Uh, next seven days doesn't really offer much for the Corn Belt. You got some scattered stuff across the Eastern Corn Belt, potentially some scattered stuff in Missouri, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, but really not much to offer. Now, when you get out into the six to 10 day period and into the eight to 14 day period, it gets kind of interesting. So both of these maps here, both of these uh, time frames, the government maps at least, are suggesting above normal rainfall and also above normal temperatures for both of those time frames. The one thing that I see this morning that is of note is that both of the models through the first week in July, the Euro model and the GFS, they're really not offering much at all in terms of rainfall for the Eastern Corn Belt in particular. All of Illinois, almost all of Indiana, almost all of Ohio uh, to remain very dry, at least through July 6th or 7th. 
Uh, the GFS hints at some rains potentially returning to the east um, around the 11th or 12th of July. That's a long ways out. So this is not a perfect forecast by any means. I know you look at the market and you think, oh, it's going to be widespread rains everywhere. That's not uh, what I'm seeing here. What I'm seeing is more of a knee-jerk reaction to some unexpected rains, but you've still got some areas that that could become problematic uh, in, in the eastern Corn Belt in particular. And there's some other areas that uh, some of these models leave dry too. So still a lot up in the air. This stuff always subject to change. And as we saw over the weekend, this stuff can be very wrong sometimes. Large speculators continue to reduce length in the corn market. The funds were net sellers of 11,000 contracts of corn in the week ending June 21st, according to Friday's CFTC report. Since late April, uh, funds have reduced their net long in the corn market by 120,000 contracts, and they've still got a big net long here at 242,000 as of last Tuesday. In the soybeans, funds were also net sellers last week, still long about 149,000. That's a big net long position. They're pretty close to flat in the SRW wheat market. So there has been a trend here in corn in particular of the funds lightening up. They've still got a heavy long. They were long 350 or 360,000 contracts uh, in mid to late April. They've reduced that quite a bit, but if they want to keep selling and keep liquidating, they've certainly got room to do so. We've got a, uh, or we did have an export sales report on Friday, rather. This was delayed for the holiday. So corn sales were actually pretty good for old crop, uh, 672,000. That was a good week. Uh, corn sales for the new crop marketing year are good. They're the second best on record behind only last year. So pretty good week for corn. Soybean sales were bad for old crop at just 29,000. And that was a marketing year low. Uh, it's fairly normal this time of year to see weaker uh, old crop soybean export sales. This is a, a particularly bad one, but uh, this is not anything that's totally out of the ordinary. Uh, new crop soybean sales or the, the book of new crop soybean sales is the best on record seasonally. So we're still doing really good in regard to new crop soybean export demand. Uh, wheat sales pretty good at 479,000, but still uh, your current marketing, your wheat commitments, I think are the second worst of the last 10 years. So you may think to yourself, oh, with this Ukraine situation, we're exporting more wheat, we're selling more wheat. Uh, that has not been the case at all. I think these high prices have just uh, deterred global buyers uh, to this point. We do have a big USDA report on Thursday this week. I'll talk about this in a little bit more detail uh, later in the week. Traders generally expect a small uptick in U.S. corn acreage versus March intentions. The average trade guess for U.S. plantings ahead of the report, 89.86 million. That would be up, what, 350,000 from the March number of uh, 89.49. Uh, traders expecting a marginal decline in soybean acreage. Um, so that's kind of the general idea here. Small uptick in corn acreage, small downtick in soybean acreage versus March intentions on Thursday. We'll also get quarterly grain stocks. Those can move the markets uh, just as much, if not more than the acreage numbers, depending on the year, of course. Uh, this is kind of interesting. Traders expect a notable decline in spring wheat acreage versus March. The trade expects a number near 10.844 million uh, versus 11.2 in March. That would be a sizable uh, downward revision to the spring wheat number if realized. Germany does not expect G7 countries to waive biofuel mandates. A source cited by Reuters sees a lot of resistance from the U.S. and Canada in particular. The source said this, a temporary waiver on biofuel would be an important signal by the G7 to reduce grain prices in the short term and to relax the market situation. So, I think this sort of uh, biofuel waiver uh, appears very, very unlikely in the United States, very, very unlikely in Canada. Maybe they could do something along these lines overseas. I'm not sure if that has much impact, if any at all, on our markets here in the United States. We did have a cattle on feed report uh, out on Friday, and it was actually friendly 
uh, the market for a change. Cattle on feed came in at 101 versus expectations near 101 and a half. The placement's number 98. They were looking for 99.6. Marketing's 102. They were looking for 103. So maybe um, some people calling the cattle market higher this morning following that report. In the outside markets, the U.S. dollar's a little bit lower. The S&P's up 12. The Dow Jones up 70. Uh, we had a nice rally in the stock market on Friday. The bonds are down. Uh, precious metals up a little bit. Crude oil is up 27 cents in the August WTI at 107.89. Have a great week, guys. I will talk to you same time tomorrow.